afternoon, hitchhikers. How are you out there in the Plannerverse? Welcome to episode 36 of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Plannerverse. I bring to you the illustrious Steve Morton with me today. Hi, Steve. Good afternoon. Still still looking for a lift, hitching down the road. Ah, <laughs> yes, and I am Karina Tovmasian, your host for the day. Uh, I, Steve, I wish I had a spacecraft that I could take you in and we could go see Whoosh. out there. Just Beam everything. me up, Scotty. One of those. So. One of those. It would be fantastic. Nice to see you again. As always. Hmm? To see you too. <laughs> Steve and I talked a little bit about what we wanted to theme our episode around today. And I think we both agreed that one of the key characteristics to making communities work is the ability to give back. And I know that this is a subject that's near and dear to both of us. Uh, the participation in communities happens not only when you receive, but when you actually get down into it and are able to contribute back to society. I have my way of doing it. Steve has his way of doing it. And this is what this episode is about. Uh, participating in in hobby groups, in clubs, it, being a member in social groups and understanding how all that functions and why it's important in this overall concept of the planning world. Steve, I, I give to you the microphone. Please let us know, first of all, what clubs do you belong to? I'll get into my clubs later, but what clubs do you belong to? My, my sort of involvement over the years has been really very similar to the way my father sort of whenever he sort of joined something um he wasn't just a member he had to be you know a real active participant and one of the things he was involved with i think he joined this um club it's a royal naval association i think it must have been back in about 1973 and he was still the president of it when he died in wow. 2003. So um, he had a good innings of 30 years, and I'm yet to beat his innings <laughs> in anything <laughs> that I've done. Well, I am approaching it slowly uh, with my radio activities. But um, yes, over the years, I've been roped in, volunteered for uh, various activities, be them, you know, not outside of work, this is, although as a trade union rep that was obviously inside of work but that that again really is a sort of you know sort of giving back in a way yeah um, and do, do you do you voluntold do you tell people they've been voluntold in these groups no not quite no i don't <laughs> like doing that really it's, it's quite <laughs> difficult really to sort of um suggest you do get people come forward quite often that you least expect them to uh, and that's always a pleasant surprise when um, someone volunteers themselves. Really, I, yeah. You know, very uh, sort of quite often. Well, well, obviously on a fairly regular basis, I'm always looking for volunteers for for uh, readers' posts on Filofaxi. But um, and if you're listening, you know, hint, hint. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah. E where can they email you on that one, Steve? Because we do need <laughs> people. The usual sort of place, Steve at Filofaxi.com. Um, and we will glad, gladly welcome you to, to take part in one of the many different series that we've got running sort of thing. So um, so, so wait a minute. Wait, wait, hold on. Let's go back to this. What clubs do you actually belong to? 
Well, what I've done in the past is quite a um, melange of various things. <laughs> I, I wrote down a list, actually. God, he's got a list. <laughs> I have a list, as always, because I can't remember. I wouldn't remember if, if, if I didn't. It was It's quite bemusing, really. Huh? But just to quickly run, these are all the things that I've done um, since um, I was about 16 or thereabouts and when I'd left home and started work. So in one of the first years after I left home, I got sort of asked, sort of arm twisted into being a cameraman for a sports TV show in Milton Keynes. Now, this was quite amusing, really, because it was um, a cable TV pro uh, show. And me and two other guys would go around various sporting events. I'm the least sporting person that is walks the earth. You know, couldn't kick a ball or hit a bad, badminton shuttlecock if you let me try me. And forget anything with fast-moving objects. Forget it. I, I miss them all the time. So they wrote me into doing this sports program. And these are two guys that worked with me. One, I was still in training at the time, so you know, don't say no almost. But um, yeah, so for about two years or so, we did this sports TV program, which involved going to sort of football, soccer matches, um, horse jumping, rugby matches, um, gymnastics, swimming. That was entertaining. Because this wasn't a sort of modern style camera. This was one with high voltages in it. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Ooh, don't f- let that thing fall in the water. No. So, um, so, so we did... hold on, hold on. So, so you did the cameraman thing and you went yeah. in not knowing anything about cameras or you did know some things? I was a keen photographer, stills photographer. I'd never done movie stuff though. <laughs> so what, what was your takeaway from having had these experiences where you were now told to lug this thing around and, and record activities? The One of the things that I learned an awful lot from that, as you usually do, is sort of, well, the, the sort of organisation of the whole thing in a way. Mm. You know, knowing you had to go and get the equipment because the, well, the equipment wasn't ours. We borrowed the equipment each time from the actual TV um, company, as it were. And so the the other two guys, they, they would tell me where it'd have to be sort of thing on a Saturday afternoon or a sort of a Sunday or whenever or back at the studio editing and things because it was... Yeah, there's so many different processes involved, um, more so than this podcast, I can hasten to add. Um, <laughs> but I, I would have, most of the editing was done by them, um, and they, they would do the studio bits and what have you, but I tended to do all the outside broadcasting. You know, in the days of stringent health and safety, I think back now and quite horrified at some of the things they had me doing. You know, climbing up sort of big, tall ladders onto the roof of football stadiums with a camera, tripod and recorder. Oh, dear. Um, no safety rails. Of course not. <laughs> and I, I can remember um, sort of thinking, cracking, I'm almost freezing. My hands were sort of almost so cold there, but anyway. And so, wait, so what did you get out of it as far as being a cameraman? A lot of fun, really, I suppose. It was um, getting to a lot of, meet a lot of different people because I was new. I'd only moved into the area the year before, I suppose. So mm. it was sort of quite a social thing, really, more than anything else. Which led then on to the next little chapter. One of the guys that I did the TV program with 
was the manager um, of Milton Keynes ladies football team. How fun. <laughs> so he got me involved, wrote me in to help him with that as the fundraising manager. <laughs> <laughs> Which again was a bit of a joke, because again, I'd never done anything like that before. So fast-moving objects and fundraising, things that you have yeah. no experience with, and now you're Not being tasked. Well. It's always best to find something you don't know about, and then say, right, you can do that. <laughs> How'd you do? Um, I only did that for about six months, I think. I think I was well out of my depth on that. Did they kick you out? Did they say, we're done no, with you? No, it was... Um, by mutual agreement, I think <laughs> enough money wasn't being risen, uh, sort of raised. So, and I've actually tried to find this guy, but he's—I um, don't know if one, he's, if he's still alive or where he lives these days, because um, he left um, the work, the place I was working, um, soon afterwards. We worked again, actually. Give his name another... so that maybe he can listen to the podcast. Well, and find it's, you. it's a fairly common name. It's a Tony Blake, but you know he could be anywhere now. Okay. But there we go. And then I I moved into... Uh, at that time, I was living in digs. I was living with other families in my house in a sort of rented room type of thing. And after about sort of into my sort of third year of training, I rented a flat of my own in a brand new sort of... Um, sort of building which was all sort of there was about I'm trying to think how many about 90 flats in this um accommodation place complex and it was all single people and it was all brand new and it was all super duper and they had a, like a common room in the, in the middle so there was like a sort of student type atmosphere to it and myself and another guy built a disco unit with turntables and all these all the electronic stuff. You know, we were electronic engineers. That's the sort of thing we do. And um, someone said, well, who's going to play these records and things then? And I said, well, <laughs> I can see a lot of hands going up here. Not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you built it as electronic engineers, but you failed to invite the physicists that live downstairs you to be able to come up and help yeah. you play the discs now. So we ended up doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So that was fun. I did that for about a year or so. Um, what are some of the clubs that you're busy with today? These days, um, nothing here in France, unfortunately. But I'm still doing... I, I sort of went into sort of... Soon after the DJ gig sort of thing, I, I got interested in amateur radio, which is sort of an obviously a, a sort of a, an offshoot of what I was doing at work. Yeah. And I then sort of... Um, you know, got sort of on into committee work of one description or another for various for the sort of local amateur radio club, and I ended up being chairman of that at one point and was treasurer for a while as well. And um, then sort of got, you know, later in life, um, back in about '94, I got um, asked to join an RSGB committee, a national committee, and I'm thinking, whoa. Know, can you help us out? I think I've heard this before. <laughs> In other words, we've got ourselves into a bit of a mess. Can we? Can you, we use your expertise to yeah. help us out? Something. And yeah. um, I'm still doing that one, and it's 23 years or 22 years since I um, well coming up for 23 years since I started doing it. It's changed a lot in that time. How so? Um, well, think about what's happened with communication technology. You know, yeah. at first we were using fax machines and, you know, landline phones. Right. Now we do everything via the internet, sort of thing. 
you know i can remember going to committee meetings and there might have been two people that had a mobile phone mm. back in 94 and maybe one laptop was brought along to a meeting now the whole room's full, full of laptops and mobiles and gone as well and i actually don't actually i attend these meetings that happen in birmingham in england uh, via Skype. I actually sit here in France. <laughs> so so let me ask you, that's interesting. As far as amateur radio goes, I don't know a lot. I did do a little bit of research at one point thinking mm. I was going to get into it and then I, I opted not to only because it was a little too sophisticated and I needed some sort of permit for my local mm. area. And I, so I, said, I, I had missed a class at that point and I said I'm not going to get into it because we kept moving. As far as uh, amateur radio goes, is it all on uh, digital bands now, or do they still use analog bands, or how does they that work? still use analog? They st- they use digital. They use you know anything going basically. It's there's there's sort of a a mix of analog and digital. You know, there's quite a lot of interest in the new digital stuff because it's the new thing on the block. Mm. But there's still a lot of people using the older style technology still. I personally, and I'm not active on the bands. <laughs> I do not do any other form of operation at all these days. Um, my only interest is to sort of maintain the grey matter in a way in doing, you know, my, you know, using my sort of specialist knowledge of frequency assignments and work and what have you, and making sure that you know if, where we sort of get lots of different applications for different things that they'll actually work together, not sort of cause interference to each other. Mm. So. Um, well, so I would think that some of the equipment now has changed to incorporate and allow for digital uh, bands. Yeah. Uh, and so the old equipment that I know my godfather had with all these dials and huge mm. links and needles pointing north and south and all sorts of things. I mean, do sunspots really affect communication yeah, today? Yeah, so that's still, you know, stuff on AHF bands still is affected by... Um, you know, sunspots and all that sort of stuff. It, sort of propagation doesn't change. You yeah. can't change physics. Right. Be, be analog or digital, it's, you know, the basics of physics still apply. We can't alter physics. And my favourite quote on this topic is, the radio spectrum is already packed, and unfortunately, they've stopped making any more of it. <laughs> It almost Which sounds like it almost sounds like Shakespeare's. There's nothing new under the sun, you know. That everything has already been written. <laughs> that's been written, and yet here we that's are right. discussing new topics yeah. all the time. And so, for me, one of the thing, one of the clubs that I joined, uh, particularly once we settled here in Williamsburg, was to join Toastmasters International. I don't mm-hmm. know if, if you've heard of them, Steve. I've heard of it. And I've so, never been to anything like um, that. It's very interesting. I didn't know what to expect when I joined the first time. I thought it was going to be a whole bunch of people telling me how to speak properly. And, of course, no one can ever teach me that. I'm unteachable when it comes to speaking properly. So um, what I found, actually, was that it is a club, a social club, that improves people speaking. And you go through a formal course if you want to. And if you mm. don't want to, you can just sort of participate. Um, but one of the things I got in out of it is that you get out of it what you put into it and i think Mm. that you'll find the same with your social clubs as well it doesn't matter if you do amateur radio or if you do a speaking club or if you do the local charity organization one of the things that you do get by participating is you allow yourself to contribute the little bits and pieces of life that other people haven't figured out yet Mm. would you agree steve yeah one of the things that i um sort of benefited from if you like was i don't know why but for 
some time I was I hated the idea of being minute secretary mm. for anything, be it work or outside. And I can't remember which scenario it was in, but suddenly I became I started becoming doing the minutes for various meetings and things, and I got quite good at it in terms of preparing the thing ahead of time Mm. to the extent where you could literally take the sort of structure, if you like, of the agenda and translate that into the bare bones of a set of minutes and then you'd sit there in the meeting and you'd be basically just filling in the blanks. Right. (laughs) So the discussion was on this topic and what the, the, the committee decided... In other words, you can cut out all the waffle that they, right. when they sort of went through this decision or that decision and couldn't make the mind up and then came back to the first one again. And to me, that sounds like uh, efficiency and streamlining, honing yeah. that skill, right? Yeah. And so you, I mean, you again, this is a perfect example. You go in thinking that you're going to be bored to death taking the meetings mm. for a meeting and you find out, in fact, that it's actually honing a skill that's going to be relevant to any skill, any field across the mm. platform. I love these stories because this is what we're talking about. I, I, I know that for me in Toastmasters, I went in thinking that I was going to be coached on how to speak properly. And one of the things that I'm getting out of it now as the vice president of membership, <laughs> I sort of got ra- wrangled into that one. Is I'm pre- <laughs> yeah. Head of vice. <laughs> right, head of vice indeed. Hey, hey, hubba hubba. Um, I've <laughs> noticed that th- uh, there is a huge amount of compassion that needs to be provided as a listening audience to people Mm. that speak. I know that speaking for some people is a terrifying event. And if you attend, I highly encourage anybody to go to their local Toastmasters. It is an international club. This year, someone from Singapore won first place uh, by putting his underwear over his trousers, which was outstanding. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he showed it. If you ever get a chance, go on YouTube and find out who won this year. That would be exciting. (laughs) I highly recommend it because I thought I was going in for one thing and I'm walking out with a completely different perspective Mm. on how to be a compassionate listener to anyone who's facing their fear on getting up and being judged on Mm. speaking that i mean wow right right there the the other sort of involvement where a lot of people sort of get involved with you know particularly if you've got kids and what have you is sort of community things yep um for three or four years i was a parish councillor and sort of got sort of sent off to become sort of oh you can be the sort of community sort of school governor sort of thing with the Mm. school for a couple of years that was quite entertaining (laughs) for some of the school governor meetings it seems that i was the only one asking questions of the headmistress (laughs) and everybody else was so frightened of her sort of thing (laughs) she'll put you in a box and put your fingers in the pencil sharpener (laughs) one one of the things that we both have in common steve is that we're both members of the planning community and I yep. think that's sort of developed around us, as far as I can tell from my perspective. I know that mm. you sort of took it as a relay baton from someone else and and sort of passed on that legacy. It's, How, it's sort of developed beyond, yeah. beyond my wildest of dreams, really. Um, Back when you this, and I started this, communicating, we had, what, maybe about 800 people? Yeah, it, it's just ginormous. And when we started doing, you know, the, the, the some meetups in London, which started in November 2010, 
they were just sort of, oh, well, let's just get together for lunch and we'll just sort of have a chat and what have you. And, right. And, of course, the first time we did it, um, I put the message out and, you know, for about five weeks, nobody nobody said they wanted to come. You know, it was Billy No Mates, really. It was quite comical, really. And then all of a sudden, one, one person said, are you still having that lunch? And I said, yes. Do you want to come along? <laughs> yes, they said. And then, then loads of them all sort of turned up. And then some of them have been sort of literally, you know, booked out sort of within minutes of them going on off. And it's, it's sort of settled down a bit now. But the interesting thing was is trying to convey the sort of magic of actually meeting sort of your fellow people in the planiverse in words is quite difficult. Yet the same formula, if you like, has been translated into sort of meetups all around the world. And I was trying to tell Nan, Nan Barber, who's also on Filofaxi, what a meetup was like. Mm. And she you know, we, I failed miserably at trying to explain <laughs> it. And the first one that she went to in New York, someone said to her, who was sat next to her, did you ever think it would come to something like this? Wow. And she sort of sat there looking around the table, all these people swapping organizers yeah. and things like this. Yeah. And she said, no, never. And I said, that's it. It's happened. <laughs> I think any one of us who have been to a meetup will fail miserably at being able to explain what it's about because it only yeah. the magic happens once you get together with yeah. the people. There is no individual magic unless the community decides to get together and create a community experience and that's been my experience mm. when I yeah. came to seek to pick you and Allison up over in Washington DC at the mm. metro I mean that alone just you know we yeah. drove nine hours to come and see you <laughs> and to but make sure is, that you I don't were know if, safe. It, if you feel the same but whenever I meet people now that I've sort of chatted with on social media in some shape or form yeah the first time we actually meet face to face to me, they're not strangers at all. They're right. just someone that I've, you know, previously sort of been chatting with, and they seem sort of quite taken back that it's all sort of so low key. I said, "Well, what else were you expecting, really?" <laughs> the fanfare, the red carpet, that sort of thing. <laughs> no, 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 I'm afraid no. There's not an entourage around me or anything like that. It's just me. <laughs> the one thing that I have gotten, and I, I would really like to dedicate this comment to the entire community. Um, I stepped into this approximately 2012, end of 2011, Mm. 2012. Uh, I was living in Alaska at the time. It was about minus 45 (laughs) degrees Fahrenheit outside. (laughs) It's warmer in the freezer than it is outside. It was. We would keep food in the freezer (laughs) to keep it from freezing over in the garage. Um, And I remember distinctly understanding there was a moment where the light bulb went on And I realized that I had found a place where I could discuss the thing that I wanted to geek out about and Mm. no one would criticize me or judge me for it, for for knowing what I knew or not knowing what I didn't know. You don't have to explain why you still use pen and paper. Right. We get it. Right. <laughs> There's no need to explain that bit. It's more oh, how are you doing? That's the other strange thing is in all of these meetups that I've done, and I can't remember how many they've done now in London, but you know, it's must be sort of approaching twenty of mm. of them over the years. You know, some years I've done sort of two or three, so I can't remember how many it is. But in all of that time, I've never had to say 
anything you look at in someone else's organizer remember it's the private information and it must remain confidential right never right. had to say it it's just been an unwritten right. rule that everyone has always accepted it Pe- people you know, get it from day one I, I, that's one of the things I love about this community, and I love how it's turned into this subculture mm. that now we're at the point where we're having an official planner con, an annual planner con mm. is in the works yeah. so that this subculture can find a place where they can come and pray mm. to the almighty altar of whatever it is that we're <laughs> praying to, to the pap- papyrus pens and, and cuneiform tablets and, and, and so on. Um, Hello Kitty stickers. Hello Kitty stickers, yes. That, that They will have Alan Marshall's photo as their as their altar photo. (laughs) Um, But the point of all of this is that you don't know what your hobbies will be or what your passions will be until you get out there and try something. And the best way to do that is by jumping into a community and see if it, if it just rings true for you. Mm. What I've also loved about our community is whilst the planner is obviously the thing that links us all together, it's our sort of other interests that's the interesting one, where you get two people that have a similar outside interest, and it can be anything from knitting to um, archery or, or anything else for that matter. Right. And it's how those things, you know, sort of get bounced around and people meet up, you know, it might be just two people meeting up together just to discuss their other interests. It doesn't. They might not ever talk about. Well, that, that's what I loved when again. we had the meeting um, in Belgium with Gilio. Mm. I, I remember thinking to myself, there are people from all walks of life at yeah. this at this meetup, and everybody does something different. Everyone specializes mm. in something different, and yet they can all see the value of writing things down. They all mm. can appreciate the value of being able to hold the multidimensional concept of writing into in one's hand as opposed mm. to the intangible concept of typing on a screen. That's connected us. The screen mm. has connected us. The digital has connected us. But it is the actual love of paper planning and writing things down that keeps us connected, right? Mm. And that's where the ties are. The um. This was there was a BBC uh, podcast all back in about must have been about 2011 that interviewed me for about and that they sort of asked for contributors to sort of you know write in if you have a a new blog or YouTube channel for us to interview you and I sort of sent in the details of what I was doing and within sort of half an hour phone call from BBC <laughs> can we interview you I'm going what <laughs> this is when we I was amazed how quickly they rang back because um they said but you know we get lots of submissions from tech blogs and sort of stuff yeah. but yours is just so unusual because the topics that you're discussing and writing about are non-tech but you're using all this tech to bring people together. We think that's marvellous. Um, I think so too. Twitter and Skype and it just goes on and on, doesn't it? So I, I, It fulfills for me a lifelong uh, legacy of understanding that if we want to value education and modernization, it's the mm. city that we go to. In the city we find all of these things, but that same mm. city has the crime and has the pollution and has all the stuff that we run away from so when we holiday nobody ever holidays in cities they all go to the countryside they all go to islands they all go to places Mm. with uh, little umbrellas and and drinks and that is the ultimate um, 
controversy here as far as being analog people in a digital world. This is what we mm. are. We're trying to function in this digital world. And I love our little community. I, I, My message to everyone out there is to try and find something that makes you happy. If you haven't found a hobby yet, give something a try. Be part of a community that lifts you up. That's that's mm. the bottom line for me is don't let anybody no, put you enjoy down. Enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy it. And then contribute. Mm. You know, and you don't have to spend you know, huge amounts of hours doing it. I know I spend a lot of time doing it. And, um, but it, it's, in my case, I put in a lot and, and expect to get a lot out. But, you know, 99% of people do follow the rules and they, you know, they do enjoy it to the same level as we do. And I, I you know, I think that's fantastic, really. To well, this podcast have... is a testament to that, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Two people put their heads together and said, "Hey, why don't we? Why don't we? Why not? We don't yeah. have one there." <laughs> I was I was looking back through my diary from last year, and it was about this time last year we started discussing the idea of doing this. And <laughs> I remember get... prior to that, I had it on my to-do list for about four months prior because I was like, "Discuss with Steve. <laughs> see if there's something cooking in there." Because I think we need to do this. <laughs> so where where can we find you, Steve? And the usual sort of places in the corner of the cupboard, sort of mustering or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can find me at filofaxi.com and travelersnotebooktimes.com and Mr. Filofaxi on Instagram. The Mr. Filofaxi. And you can find me on Instagram at Karina Tovmasyan and on Facebook at, at Planerology and planerology.com. Come find us. Mm-hmm.